Welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Sean McKenna. As of last Tuesday, tourism is back. Well, to an extent. After closing its borders in April of 2020 due to the pandemic, Japan has now reopened to independent travelers, much to the delight of those in the business sector. But don't expect an economic windfall anytime soon. High spending Chinese shoppers, who made up 37% of inbound tourists to Japan in 2019, May be slow to return due to a COVID zero policy in their own country that curbs travel overseas. Still, those coming in from other countries are free to do so without special visas once again, and airlines, hotels, and restaurants are all hoping this can help their businesses rebound in 2023. Later on in the show, we'll speak more about the impact the border closure has had with Japan Times staff writer Will Fee. But first, to understand the ins and outs of the current situation, We'll talk to Japan Times News Chief Kanako Takahara about the border, where Japan stands right now with regard to COVID 19, and whether the appearance of a new strain of the coronavirus could possibly close the borders once again. Kanako Takahara, welcome back to Deep Dive. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be back. Now, the last time you were on this podcast was in May, and you were speculating on the borders fully opening at that time, but they didn't. What happened? So, the government has been allowing small groups of people in, and there were like arrival caps gradually increasing. It went from 5,000 to 10,000, and finally 50,000 in the summer. And in June, the government experimented with allowing Guided tourists to come to Japan. And, but that wasn't so popular. People didn't want to have guided tours to go around touring Japan. They just、right. wanted to freely visit where they want to go. Some people actually compared it to North Korea. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and from September, they didn't have to have guided tours, but they had to book through travel agencies for accommodation. That was also like kind of weird. Okay. And then last week, that cap has been completely done away with. Okay. So, what are the requirements for getting into Japan now? So, you have to be vaccinated with three shots. That's two vaccinations, the initial round, and also a booster shot. Okay. So, if you don't have that proof of vaccination, then you need to submit a pre departure or pre arrival PCR testing. Uh huh. That you need to take within 72 hours before you fly into Japan. Okay. Also, you still need to download the My SOS app, which basically smooths this process a bit for entry. Now, some readers on the Japan Times website were asking if these rules applied to children under five. Do you know if they are exempt? And has there been any mention about needing the fourth shot, which is a second booster? So, if the child is、uh, traveling with the parent, Uh-huh. And the child is under 18 years old, they will be treated the same as the parent or the guardian traveling with the child. So, if the parent has been vaccinated with three shots and can submit that proof of vaccination、mm-hmm. to the government, then the child will be treated、uh, the same.、Okay. So, they, the child doesn't need to、uh, submit a PCR testing. But if the parent is not vaccinated with three shots, Then the child will still need to do the、uh, PCR testing within 72 hours before coming to Japan. Gotcha. And what about the fourth shot? 
So there's no requirement、uh, as of now、uh-huh. to get a fourth shot to come to Japan. Okay. So with the borders open and tourists coming back, can we say that COVID is over? No, not by a long <laughs> shot. So, where does Japan stand with regard to the coronavirus then? Well, Japan got hit pretty hard by the BA5 Omicron subvariant this summer.、Mm. But total deaths still sit under 46,000. And more than 80% of the country has received at least two vaccinations. And more than 65% have received the booster. And the fourth shot, another booster, is being rolled out now. Okay. Also, the Japanese are still using hand sanitizer before they enter shops, and they're still masking. Okay, so the masking culture has actually led to a discussion over what to do if an overseas tourist, say, refuses to wear a mask at a hotel, right? But it's not illegal for people to refuse to wear masks in Japan, is that right? No, it isn't. I mean, but Japanese people, Japanese society puts a lot of priority on social etiquette and cohesion.、Mm. Yeah. So, a lot of people still wear masks in public transportation, buses, trains. On the street. On the streets. Yeah. yeah. So, in hotels, there is a new bill、mm-hmm. that allows hotels to refuse accommodation for people who do n t adhere to antivirus rules. Okay. So, like if they say they don't want to wear the mask or they don't want to get their body temperature checked, for example. Right, right, right. That's going to be delivered in the diet. This season, yes. Okay. But I've seen a lot of、uh, Japanese people in cafes and restaurants kind of not wearing their masks indoors. And those are places where you're more likely to catch COVID 19,、uh, instead of, say, like a park or outside. And even in the summer, the government sent out a flyer. Kind of like reminding people to take off their masks when they're like bicycling or jogging because they were worried that those people would have heat stroke and then clog up the hospitals. Right, that's true.、Um, so, restaurants, they would still have a lot of plastic partitions, for instance,、mm-hmm. and the air ventilation is a better, improved version. And you have like open windows, open doors, maybe. Right, even in winter. Right. But I've seen some people take off their masks outdoors. Uh-huh. Uh, I do my morning jogs on the riverside, and a lot of people have taken off masks. Okay. So that's what I'm seeing a little bit of shift from the really strict、uh, kind of masking to a little bit going towards taking off. Their masks, maybe. Right, right. So I guess Japan is like any other country, right? Like, True. There's people in Japan who are going to be very paranoid about masking,、right. and then there's going to be people who've completely rebelled against it. But the best advice for tourists is when in Rome, do as the Romans do. <laughs> is there a Japanese version of that saying? I think it's go ni raba, go ni shitagae. Okay, what does that mean? So when you enter a village, then adhere to that village's customs. <laughs> Good advice. So, final question. If a new strain of the coronavirus were to suddenly appear, would the government be likely to close the borders again? Well, the new strains pop up every now and then.、Mm-hmm. So, if there's a strain that's more infectious、mm-hmm. and that causes more severe symptoms, then yes, Japan may probably close its borders again. So, I guess anything can happen when you think about it. So, it's always just best to be aware of what's going on. Right, but the government definitely wants to rebound the tourism sector. Okay.、Uh, Prime Minister Kishida has been saying that the government wants 
foreign tourists to spend more than five trillion yen in a year. Right. Okay. Foreign tourists spent uh, 4.8 trillion yen in 2019 before the pandemic. Right. 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 But that was including、uh, the Chinese tourists right, that right. went on like the big shopping spree in Japan.、Mm. But they're not coming back anytime soon.、Mm-hmm. So the big spending that could be a little bit down the road. Okay, but the main kind of message here is that the government is not going to try to close the borders again. They do. They definitely want the tourism sector to rebound. Gotcha, Kanako Takahara. Thanks very much for coming back on Deep Dive. Thanks, John. How do you feel about the borders opening? I'm excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. How long you been waiting to come to Japan? Since、uh, well, we were supposed to come for the Olympics in 2020,、oh, yeah. we couldn't. So waiting all that time. Yeah. What you're hearing there are the sounds of tourists arriving at Tokyo's Haneda Airport on the first day that Japan fully opened borders to travelers from overseas. Those clips were captured by Japan Times reporter Will Fee, who is with me now to tell us more about our grand reopening. And it's his first time on Deep Dive. Will, welcome. Chishom, thanks for having me. Well, can you describe to us what you saw last week at Haneda Airport? Maybe in just three words. Sure.、Um, for me, at least, it was quiet, subdued, maybe a bit underwhelming,、uh-huh. which are all a bit the same. But that's how I found it. What were you expecting going in?、Uh, I had no real idea what to expect.、Uh, some news outlets in Japan have reported that it was really busy,、uh, so it could have just been a matter of what flights were or weren't coming in when I arrived.、Uh-huh. When I was there, though, there weren't really that many people. It was just me,、uh, a cameraman from one of the big TV stations, and another couple of reporters there trying to get interviews. Okay. And for a long time, when I was there, the, the only people coming through were kind of pairs and mostly Japanese people. And each time someone came through the、uh, the arrival gates, the cameraman next to me was kind of like, ah,、oh, you know, he, <laughs> he was waiting for the shot of people coming in from Finland. Right. Right.、Um, but yeah, it, it really wasn't like that. It was mainly business travelers, actually. Okay, could it be that like many people overseas just haven't been on the edge of their seat waiting for Japan to reopen, or is it that the middle of October isn't peak travel season? Yeah, true. And、um, the the people who are coming at the moment might be more likely be coming from South Korea or Taiwan or elsewhere in East Asia. And of course,、uh, Chinese residents are still dealing with their own COVID related travel restrictions. Right. So they can't come in. Yeah, exactly. I did speak to one arrival though, an Italian traveller coming via Finland、uh, from Copenhagen. He just happened to have a month off work before starting a new job, and when he started searching for flights, he found that Japan was accepting tourists again. So he booked a ticket for the next day, which coincidentally brought him here on the day of the border opening. Actually, at the airport in Copenhagen, they didn't want me to 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 depart、really? to Helsinki because they said, "Oh, you need a visa," and I'm like. Yeah, technically now I do. Right. But when I land, I would、oh, not see. need a visa, you know. Right. And that was the kind of person I thought was going to be coming in on the day. Right. So it's kind of like lucky. I have a friend who lives in the Philippines, and he told me he bought a ticket as soon as the border announcement took place. But he's going to come in December to go skiing in Hokkaido. So, do you think that things could get busier over the next few months? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I put out a Twitter shout out, kind of asking people. Who were coming in in the first couple of weeks to kind of share their experience and any difficulties that they might have had,、mm. um, and the people who did reach out to me to share their stories said that generally they're arriving at later dates throughout the next few months and into the new year, particularly for the the start of the ski season. 
one tourist I spoke to who will arrive over the next few weeks said that just booking a flight was like looking for hen's teeth. That, that was the <laughs> phrase that he used, yeah. uh, given the scarcity of the flights available and in some cases the highly inflated prices. Okay, this brings up an interesting question. Do you think it's going to be difficult for those of us living in Japan to maybe book tickets to our own homes this holiday season? Like, are the tourists buying up all the seats? I think that really depends on whether or not you're up for spending a lot of money. Um, okay. There's a whole mix of factors that anyone living in Japan should consider before planning a trip home. So first of all, there's the low value of the yen. Mm. The yen was trading at approximately 105 to the US dollar as recently as February. Okay. And ahead of the borders reopening, it hit a 24-year low at 146 yen to the dollar. Right. That's largely due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh-huh. And it's the dollar that's getting stronger. However, the yen isn't doing too well against the euro or the pound either. Okay. And the weak currency in the Russia-Ukraine conflict also affects us in the form of inflation. Mm. Japan buys a lot of goods from overseas and is having to raise prices here. So people here are seeing their cost of living rise quite considerably. Uh, They may not be up for taking that trip to Hawaii in December, for example. Mm. And then finally, Japan's airports and airlines are kind of out of practice. Uh, Do you remember the the, the travel chaos that hit North America and Europe this summer? Yeah, I was actually in Canada. Uh, There was a sudden demand in travel and that led to problems because of pandemic furloughs and layoffs and that led to staffing shortages which led to cancelled flights long lines lost luggage right so the airline industry here is set up for a similar situation and we've seen reports that hotels have also been hit with logistical problems as a result of all this and i'm no travel expert but i'm I'm thinking it may may be better to lay low in japan for the holiday season if you're already here Uh, on the upside our borders are open and the yen is weak so instead of going home for the holidays why not get mum and dad to come visit you here instead (laughs) yeah another thing that might entice locals to stay put is this national travel discount program however we've run stories saying that it was plagued by and this is a quote confusing mix of policies So can you first explain to us a little about what this program is supposed to be? Sure. It's essentially a government subsidy program aimed at kickstarting the nation's troubled domestic tourism industry, particularly in regions that are a bit more off the beaten track that have really struggled from a lack of tourists, both domestic and international. Uh, So alongside the opening of the country's borders to overseas travellers on October 11th, the government also on the same day began funding discounts for domestic travel, accommodation and food as well, worth up to 11,000 yen per person per day, Mm. or about $75. Uh, for people residing in Japan. And that's only for a period running until December 20th. Okay, that sounds like a good deal. But what's actually going on? Yeah, so it's a great deal. But it seems as though everyone has been caught a bit on the back foot by the government's announcement on September 26th, which was just about two weeks before the program launched. And the actual launch date itself came on the day when foreign tourists were finally allowed back in. Mm. And so a lot of the travel agencies needed time to adapt to the discounts for individual prefectures. So we had a a story in which Miyagi Prefecture, for example, they allow their own residents to take part in the program, even if they just had two COVID vaccinations. But anyone outside of the prefecture coming into Miyagi needs to have had three. So these kind of little regulations and differences between the prefectures, travel agencies need to know about these when planning. Right. Similarly, there seems to be an an underestimation, say, of how many people would be looking to make use of the discounts. The Yahoo travel agency, for one, has already stopped taking bookings in certain prefectures, given it has already reached the maximum amount of funding allocated in those areas by the government. Hmm. 
Elsewhere, the HIS travel agency mistakenly informed customers they could pre-book discounts before the program began, only to then ask travellers to cancel pre-book tours and rebook following the start of the program. Yeah, I can see how that would be frustrating. You and Kanako Takahara, who we spoke to earlier, have written a lot about the program, so we'll add links to those articles in the show notes. But it's not just tourists who are itching to get into the country. You wrote a story about couples who were being kept apart because of the border policies. What was keeping them from reuniting? So, yeah, these were people who were in committed relationships, but who were not, say, technically married. Uh, One would have Japanese citizenship, while the other didn't, so they had been kept apart. Mm. One of the legacies of this policy is going to be the various iterations it went through after the government initially declared, well, Japanese only, essentially, at, at the start of the pandemic. I think we came to see that the population of Japan is actually a lot more diverse and complicated than is generally believed. Mm. Uh, First, they needed to change the policy to let foreign residents, uh, taxpaying foreign residents, back into the country. Then it was revisions to allow family members without Japanese citizenship, business travellers, academics, students. Mm. So the story I wrote was about these people who were in long-term relationships, maybe even engaged when the pandemic hit but who had no proof in the way of documents to show the strength and the longevity of their relationship. So for the past two years, they've had to conduct a long distance relationship. In in some cases, they found a loophole where they could get married over the internet uh, and that was going to help them get in. So have any of them found a happy ending? Yeah, so of the two couples that I spoke to, one of them figured out that they could get married long distance early last year. And then after around six months of exchanging documents between their respective embassies and marriage agencies, they're able to get everything sorted, get married, and the husband arrived to be with his now wife in September last year. Hmm. Similarly, the, the other couple I spoke to just got married after two and a half years apart just a couple of months ago. They're still apart, but they're going to unite for their honeymoon in Italy later this year. And then they're going to live together again in Japan from early next year. That sounds nice. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And and of course, they're both heterosexual couples who had the option ultimately to get married in order to be together, which is unfortunately not a course of action that many same-sex couples in the same situation have been able to turn to. Right. Uh, and, And the couples that I spoke to, you know, they've been together for years and they each describe the really dark place that they found themselves in mentally, unable to unite with their loved one. Actually, on that, I was speaking to Vicky Scorgi of the mental health support organization Tell Japan. And she said, and this is a quote, that many foreigners who were stuck in Japan during the pandemic felt frustrated because they couldn't return home and were isolated from their families and essential support systems. On top of that, many were also confused about what support was available to them particularly with regard to financial assistance, and they struggled to keep up to date with the changing situation in Japan. She also stressed that it was an especially challenging time for foreign students studying here. Absolutely. I I think that's accurate. It's been an incredibly isolating period for a lot of people. For newcomers, Japan can be quite difficult to navigate at the best of times. You often receive official documents, tax bills, pension service information, etc. That's all pretty essential for living and working here but it's all in kanji the chinese Mm. characters and not even fairly simple kanji but hardcore chains of kanji (laughs) that even after years of studying can leave you feeling pretty stumped yeah Uh, so throughout the pandemic despite the deluge of information that was out there it was for many overseas residents extremely difficult to access Mm. this was a problem that had been acknowledged officially even prior to the pandemic And there were attempts, particularly in the build-up to the Olympics, to try to make the most essential information available in at least English, if not Mandarin Chinese and Korean and and often Southeast Asian languages like Indonesian and Thai Mm. as well. 
But I think that for those foreign residents who stayed in Japan throughout the pandemic, it really hammered home some of the more difficult aspects of being here.、Mm-hmm. For example, Sean, you, you were here during the pandemic. So, was there any time that you felt you couldn't leave because of COVID policies? Yeah. So, I don't have permanent residency.、Uh, so, for a while, if I left Japan, I wouldn't be able to get back in. But luckily, I didn't have to leave Japan, though. Yeah, and, and that's great. But obviously, for, for some people, they weren't so lucky. And、mm. I imagine you, like myself, were thinking at certain points what if something happens at home? Like,、yeah. what, what if one of my parents or anyone I care about gets sick while I'm here? What do I do?、Huh. And the, the pandemic really made that feeling of distance that bit more oppressive. And I'm sure there were tons of people who simply decided, okay, like, this is too much. I need to go home. Yeah. And then I guess ultimately, I think long term, that's actually fairly damaging for Japan and its overseas reputation. And that could be pretty serious for a country that has problems like a rapidly aging population, depopulation in its rural areas, and a severe labor shortage, things that will surely necessitate a relaxation of immigration restrictions at some point down the line.、Mm. Um, if you have a community of non Japanese people feeling like they've not been necessarily treated considerately, There's the possibility they'll eventually go home and spread the word that this isn't the place to be. Well, Will Fee, thanks very much for coming on Deep Dive. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Kanako Takahara and Will Fee for coming on the show to discuss the reopening of Japan to tourists. We'll provide links to their coverage on the issue in the show notes. Elsewhere in the news, during my chat with Will, you'll recall him referencing the slide of the yen. Well, the yen hit a new 32 year low at the end of last week at 148.86 yen to the US dollar. Bank of Japan Governor Haruhiko Kuroda said Saturday that he will stick with a strategy of monetary easing to support the economy. And if you're a tourist coming to Japan, here's something for your itinerary. Culture writer Tu Hung Ha got a sneak peek of the world's first Studio Ghibli theme park in Aichi Prefecture, and she took tons of photos, which can all be viewed at japantimes.co.jp. Production for today's episode came courtesy of Dave Cortez. Our theme music is by 4L, and our outgoing track, the one you're listening to in the background just now, is by Oscar Boyd. Until next week, Potsukare sama. Hold up. 